Mildred Lawson, Chapter Three of Celibates by George Moore. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by James Carson. Mildred did not see Alfred again. In the pauses of her painting, she wondered if he thought of her, if he missed her. Something had gone out of her life, but a great deal more had come into it. Mr. Hoskin, a young painter whose pictures were sometimes rejected in the academy, but who was a little lion in the minor exhibitions, came once a week to give her lessons, and when she went to town she called at his studio with her sketches. Mr. Hoskin's studio was near the King's Road, the last of a row of red houses with gables, cross-beams, and palings. He was a good-looking, blond man, somewhat inclined to the poetical and melancholy type. His hair bristled, and he wore a close-cut red beard. The moustache was long and silky. There was a gentle, pathetic look in his pale blue eyes, and a slight hesitation of speech, an inability to express himself in words, created a passing impression of a rather foolish, tiresome person. But beneath this exterior there lay a deep, true nature, which found expression in twilight landscapes, the tenderness of cottage lights in the gloaming, vague silhouettes, and vague skies and fields. Ralph Hoskin was very poor. His pathetic pictures did not find many purchasers, and he lived principally by teaching. But he had not given Mildred her fourth lesson in landscape painting when he received an advantageous offer to copy two pictures by Turner in the National Gallery. Would it be convenient to her to take her lessons on Friday instead of on Thursday? She listened to him, her eyes wide open, and then in her little elusive way suggested that she would like to copy something. She might as well take her lesson in the National Gallery as in Sutton. Besides, he would be able to take her round the gallery and explain the merits of the pictures. She was anxious to get away from Sutton, and the prospect of long days spent in London pleased her, and on the following Thursday Harold took her up to London by the ten minutes past nine. For the first time she found something romantic in that train. They drove from Victoria in a hansom. Mr. Hoskins was waiting for her on the steps of the National Gallery. I am so frightened, she said. I'm afraid I don't paint well enough. You'll get on all right. I'll see you through. This way. I've got your easel and your place is taken. They went up to the galleries. Oh, dear me, this seems rather alarming, she exclaimed, stopping before the crowd of easels, the paint boxes, the pallets on the thumbs, the sheaves of brushes, the mall sticks in the air. She glanced at the work, seeking eagerly for copies worse than any she was likely to perpetrate. Mr. Hoskins assured her that there were many in the gallery who could not do as well as she, and she experienced a little thrill when he led her to the easel. A beautiful white canvas stood on it ready for her to begin, and on a chair by the side of the easel was her paint-box and brushes. He told her where she would find him, in the Turner room and that she must not hesitate to come and fetch him whenever she was in difficulties. "'I should like you to see the drawing,' she said, "'before I begin to paint. "'I shall look to your drawing many times "'before I allow you to begin painting. "'It will take you at least a couple of days to get it right. "'Don't be afraid,' he said, glancing round. "'Lots of them can't do as well as you. 
I shall be back about lunchtime. The picture that Mildred had elected to copy was Reynolds' angel heads. She looked at the brown gold of their hair and wondered what combination of umber and sienna would produce it. She studied the delicate bloom of their cheeks and wondered what mysterious proportions of white ochre and carmine she would have to use to obtain it. The bright blue and grey of the eyes frightened her. She felt sure that such colour did not exist in the little tin tubes that lay in rows in the black japanned box by her side. Already she despaired, but before she began to paint she would have to draw those heavenly faces in every feature. It was more difficult than sketching from nature. She could not follow the drawing. It seemed to escape her. It did not exist in lines which she could measure, which she could follow. It seemed to have grown out of the canvas rather than to have been placed there. The faces were leaned over, elusive foreshortenings, which she could not hope to catch. The girl in front of her was making, it seemed to Mildred, a perfect copy. There seemed to be no difference, or very little, between her work and Reynolds. Mildred felt that she could copy the copy easier than she could the original. But, on the whole, she got on better than she had expected, and it was not till she came to the fifth head that she found she had drawn them a little too large, and had not sufficient space left on her canvas. This was a disappointment. There was nothing for it but to dust out her drawing and begin it all again. She grew absorbed in her work. She did not see the girl in front of her, nor the young man copying opposite. She did not notice their visits to each other's easels. She forgot everything in the passion of drawing. Time went by without her perceiving it. She was startled by the sound of her master's voice, and looked in glad surprise. "'How are you getting on?' he said. "'Very badly, can't you see?' "'No, not so badly. Will you let me sit down? Will you give me your charcoal?' The first thing is to get their heads into their places on the canvas. Don't think of detail, but of two or three points, the crown of the head, the point of the chin, the placing of the ear. If you get them exactly right, the rest will come easily. You see, there was not much to correct. He worked on the drawing for some few minutes, and then getting up, he said, But you'll want some lunch. It is one o'clock. There is a restaurant room downstairs. Let me introduce you to Miss Lawrence, he said. The women bowed. You're doing an excellent copy, Miss Lawrence. Praise from you is praise indeed. I would give anything to paint like that, said Mildred. You've only just begun painting, said Miss Lawrence. Only a few months, said Mildred. Miss Lawson does some very pretty sketches from nature, said Mr. Hoskin. This is her first attempt at copying. I shall never get those colors, said Mildred. You must tell me which you use. Mr. Hoskin can tell you better than I. You can't have a better master. Do you copy much here? asked Mildred. I paint portraits when I can get them to do. When I can't, I come here and copy. We're in the same boat, she said, turning to Mr. Hoskin. Mr. Hoskin paints beautiful landscapes as long as he can find customers. When he can't, he undertakes to copy a turner. Mildred noticed the expression that passed over her master's face. It quickly disappeared, and he said, "'Will you take Miss Lawson to the refreshment room, Miss Lawrence? 
You're going there, I suppose. Yes, I'm going to the lunchroom and shall be very glad to show Miss Lawson the way. And in company with quite a number of students, they walked through the galleries. Mildred noticed that Miss Lawrence's nose was hooked, and her feet were small, and that she wore brown leather shoes. Suddenly Miss Lawrence said, This way, and she went through a door marked Students Only. Mr. Hoskin held the door open for her. They went down some stone steps looking on a courtyard. Mr. Hoskin said, I always think of Peter de Hooch when I go down these stairs. The contrast between its twilight and the brightness of the courtyard is quite in his manner. And I always think how much I can afford to spend on my lunch, said Elsie, laughing. The men turned to the left top to go to their room. The women turned to the right to go to theirs. This way, said Miss Lawrence, and she opened a glass door, and Mildred found herself in what looked like an eating-house of the poorer sort. There was a counter where tea and coffee and rolls and butter were sold. Plates of beef and ham could be had there, too. The students paid for their food at the counter and carried it to the tables. I can still afford a plate of beef, said Miss Lawrence, but I don't know how long I shall be able to if things go on as they've been going. But you don't know what it is to want money, and in a rapid glance Miss Lawrence roughly calculated the price of Mildred's clothes. A tall, rather handsome girl with dark coarse hair and a face lit up by round grey eyes entered. So you are here, Elsie, and she stared at Mildred. Let me introduce you to Miss Lawson. Miss Lawson? Miss Sissy Clive. I'm as hungry as a hawk, Sissy said, and she selected the plate on which there was most roast beef. I haven't seen you here before, Miss Lawson. Is this your first day? Yes, this is my first day. They took their food to the nearest table, and Elsie asked Sissy if she had finished a copy of Etty's Bather. Sissy told how the old gentleman in charge of the gallery had read her a lecture on the subject. He did not like to see such pictures copied, especially by young women. Copies of such pictures attracted visitors. But Sissy had insisted, and he had put her and the picture into a little room off the main gallery where she could pursue her nefarious work unperceived. The girls laughed heartily. Elsie asked for whom Sissy was making the copy. For a friend of Freddy's, a very rich fellow. Herbert is going to get him to give me a commission for a set of nude figures. Freddy has just come back from Monte Carlo. He has lost all his money. He says he's stony and doesn't know how he'll pull through. Was he here this morning? He ran in for a moment to see me. I'm dining with him tonight. You're not at home, then? No, I forgot to tell you, I'm staying with you. So be careful not to give me away if you should meet my mother. Freddy will be back this afternoon. I'll get him to ask you if you'll come. I promise to go out with Walter tonight. You can put him off. Say you've some work to finish, some black and white. Then he'd want to come round to the studio. I don't like to put him off. As you like. It'll be a very jolly dinner. Johnny and Herbert are coming. But I dare say Freddy'll ask Walter. He'll do anything I ask him. When lunch was over, Sissy and Elsie took each other's arms and went upstairs together. 
Mildred heard Sissy ask who she was. Elsie whispered, A pupil of Ralph's. You shouldn't have talked so openly before her. So his name is Ralph, Mildred said to herself, and thought that she liked the name. End of Mildred Lawson, Chapter 3 Recording by James Carson